Welcome to season 2 of the Digitalization and Diversity podcast, a show that tells personal stories and digital journeys of diverse people. My name is Adya and I am your host. Hey everyone, welcome back to season 2 of the Digitalization and Diversity podcast. Thanks for joining us on the show. And I am really happy to kick off the new season with an exciting episode on the topic of mental health, adulting, and using digitalization to manage personal finance. On today's episode, we have Tamina Stoll. Tamina is a digital native and vocal feminist who works in digital advertising as a client solutions manager at a well-known social media platform in New York City. In 2020, Tamina launched her own podcast, The Fem Hive. to help young female professionals navigate the transition from college to the real world. Kamina is a proud graduate of Duke University and a Bayern Munich fan. I connected with Kamina last year during the pandemic over LinkedIn because she made a LinkedIn post about her journey moving to the US from Dublin for her job and some of the struggles post graduation. and something of her story really resonated with me and we decided to keep in touch and collaborate welcome kamina to the show i'm really glad that we can finally record an episode together and i would really like to kick off the episode with your podcast the fem hive could you share with us your perspective what made you choose podcasting as a way to reach audiences and what kind of topics are you most passionate about hi adia First of all, thank you so so much for having me. Been looking forward to having this conversation for quite some time now. I'm so so stoked. Yeah, I mean, look, let's just dive right in. I mean, I came up with the idea for Fem Hive in May of 2020, you know, it was the beginning of the pandemic. I was waiting to get an update on my impending transfer to New York obviously that didn't work out in the end I had to be a little bit more patient I'm finally here in New York now as we speak but it took uh, an additional year and a half almost two years to get to where I wanted to be but yeah I I found myself having a lot more time to kill during the pandemic and I was also craving for some sort of a creative outlet that I could focus on on the side in addition to my demanding day job in tech sales and had always been very passionate about gender equality advocacy so i knew i wanted to do something that would benefit women specifically young women because at the time i'd also realized that that transition from being in school to then becoming an actual like functional adult was really tough in fact i myself was was suffering from post graduation depression for about 2 years and really struggling to kind of figure out who i wanted to be in this world but also simple things like you know how to manage my personal finances how to find mentors how to network how to negotiate salary and and all of that stuff which is so so crucial to each and everyone you know to navigate adulthood but for some reason we don't talk about any of that stuff in school like i really wish that there was some sort of like an adulting 101 like an intro class either in you know your last school of high school or the first year of college that would talk about a lot of these things and 
at first I thought I was the only one who was suffering. And then I started having some really vulnerable and candid conversations with the people around me and turned out that everyone, especially the women in my network were struggling. But for some reason, nobody was really talking about any of that stuff. So I was like, okay, everyone is kind of suffering in silence. Let's start raising awareness. Let's start talking about it. And that's how it came about. And I specifically chose to do podcasting as my outlet because I have a background in radio. So before I joined the tech world, I I was on a path towards journalism. I was working as a radio host for about a year and a half back in Munich, where I'm from originally. And so I was very familiar, you know, with writing for audio, audio editing on all of that stuff. So I was like, okay, let's just like combine these two passions of mine. And yeah, that's kind of how it came about. Yeah, and I can, I can relate to that because the podcast space is unique. You have so much opportunity to just learn, right? Learn from your guests, learn from, from the other podcast hosts whom you collaborate with. And I have listened to a couple of episodes on your podcast, which I love, by the way. And Thank you. you cover <laughs> a lot about adulting topics, which is great because everyone can relate to it in some way. What do you think are the most basic things that people struggle with while adulting? Or if I can ask, what did you most struggle with if you're open to share that? A hundred percent. So for me, I think, yeah, the first two years after having graduated from college were particularly tough. So I graduated from college in May of 2017. And it felt like as if my college like handed me my degree, it was like, here, good luck. Here's an adult salary. Go out there and best of luck. Um, And that transition was really, really tough for me. You know, not only was I in a place where I had to figure out how to be a functional adult as, you know, learn how to deal with things like saving for retirement, negotiating my salary, investing, you know, a lot of like personal finance stuff, but also how to actually like take care of my mental health, you know, like, should I go seek professional help, which, you know, still very stigmatized, unfortunately, even in today's society, although I do believe things have gotten better, you know, throughout the pandemic, luckily, like how to manage long distance friendships. You know, at that point, my friends from college that I was used to seeing every single day that I was living with them on a college campus, right? Like how to maintain those friendships, but then also things like okay, how do I take care of my mental health? How do I find purpose in life? And then career-related questions. How do I interview for jobs? How do I find mentors? How do I network? You know, a lot of these things that we just don't cover in school, but again, and I'm repeating myself here, that are so, so important in order for us to be successful young professionals. So... Yeah, that was kind of the main focus for me. And honestly, for me, the podcast also helped immensely with my own healing process because at the time I was still struggling and even just, you know, reaching out to potential guests to be in my show. That was some sort of like a coping mechanism for me as well and kind of like validating my own feelings that I had and realizing, hey, there are so many other folks out there who are also suffering. You know, everyone has their own individual circumstances and whatnot. But 
there were just some some commonalities, especially after I had launched a podcast and people were reaching out to me like, hey, this really resonated with me. And yeah. so, yeah, I really, really appreciated that. Yeah. And I think it's a journey. I mean, you and I have kind of gone through the core adulting phase and figuring things out, at least for the major part. I mean, I think there's still a lot of adulting to do maybe in some areas. But what advice would you give to Gen Z and the younger generation who, let's say, are just entering into this whole world of adulting and figuring things out? Very, very great question. And I wish I had had someone back then who could have kind of like taken me by their hand and be like, look, Tamina, like everything will be fine. Don't stress out. Like just be a little bit patient, especially with yourself. I think my piece of advice now that I'm a couple of years into the postgraduate life myself would be to first like acknowledge that these feelings like exist. You know, a lot of people probably have like anxiety. Some people might be suffering from depression as I was. Some people might feel very lonely. I certainly did. So I think the first step is to acknowledge those feelings and not push them away, like embrace them and be vulnerable with the people around you because everything got a lot easier for me once I started sharing with the people in my life, you know, with my partner, with my friends, even with the coworkers I trusted. Because again, then that opened up some really, really great and candid conversations. Once I found out that pretty much everyone around me was struggling as well, it got a lot easier for me. But also don't be afraid to seek out professional help. Like I definitely did and I'm glad I did. So that's definitely something I would always, always recommend. And then also give yourself some grace. You know, I'm someone who is just very impatient by nature, which is something I've been working on over the past couple of years. But do know, like, it is a marathon. It is not a sprint. Like, looking back, I just wish I had given myself more grace and less pressure because certain things just take time and experience. And I can guarantee you that there is a silver lining in the end. Yep. And I think and see that the younger generation is just more aware and also more demanding when it comes to to seeking purpose and things. And there is also an increasing acceptance of talking about issues like mental health and social well-being. I have noticed particularly that that the conversations around the topic of mental health have been growing, especially since the pandemic. How do you view these conversations? In particular, you mentioned getting professional help to improve one's own mental health. Do you think that this is getting normalized? Well, look, Adi, I think we still have a long way to go. And obviously there's certain cultural differences and nuances to that. You know, you cannot have these conversations in every part of the world, unfortunately. But I do believe that at least in in the Western world, the pandemic has helped. Like that's, in my opinion, one of the very few positive outcomes of the pandemic is the entire mental health and wellness space has gained a lot of momentum. And I I really hope that we will not return to the pre-pandemic mindset where people were reluctant to talk about these, these issues. Like luckily, I work in tech and even before the pandemic, these conversations were very much normalized and not stigmatized. But I do think that even more traditional 
corporate environments, conversations around mental health have gained some traction, but there still is some stigma that definitely needs to be acknowledged. But I do think we've made some great progress. Yeah. And in the corporate world, uh, so both you and I work in the corporate world in different fields. And I see that a lot of employers offer mental health and well-being programs to employees. What do you see that organizations and companies can even do more, especially the ones which do not see mental health and well-being as a priority area for investment yet? I mean, look, you're talking about Gen Z just a few moments ago, and maybe not today, but definitely in a few years from now, companies will be forced to take mental health and diversity inclusion and specifically belonging more seriously because the younger generation, specifically Gen Z, like they will demand these kinds of initiatives and that kind of support to be a priority at whatever company they choose to work at. I think in the future, that's going to be the norm because talent will will dictate that. And companies that will not make mental health or you know belonging a priority will miss out on, on the best talent out there. So I think that will become an imperative sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm going to circle back to another area of passion for you because I'm particularly interested as well into the topic of gender equality and feminism. And there is a lot going on out there on the topic of diversity. There is a lot of awareness being created. There are influencers and thought leaders who are very, very vocal about the topic. And there are all kinds of corporate programs and diversity trainings and so on. On the topic of diversity and inclusion, where do you still see a gap? Because I know that you've been creating a lot of content around these topics as well and an advocate for diversity. Where do you see are the biggest gaps when it comes to tackling this whole issue of diversity and inclusion? Where do I begin? I feel like we could fill multiple podcast episodes just (laughs) talking about that single uh, topic, Adya. But let me answer this question by sharing an anecdote with you. So I recently reconnected with a former high school classmate of mine. He found me online, reached out. It was like, hey, Tamina, like haven't talked in a while. So it all started out great. I was like, oh, hey, what's up? Like we haven't talked in like probably like coming up on on 10 years. And then he proceeded to talk about the fact that he was following my podcast. I was like, oh, that's great. And said he was specifically interested in talking about or learning more about salary negotiation because that was going to be relevant for him. And for context, this individual is a white cisgendered male. And I was teasing him a little bit. And also like this was specifically the week of International Women's Day and Women's History Month. So, you know, I was very much in in that kind of mindset. So I replied to him, I was like, hey, like as as a white male and salary negotiation probably not that big of an issue for you, right? And then he legitimately replied to me saying, when it comes to these things, like gender, et cetera, are completely irrelevant. It's only performance that counts. And like leadership and my colleagues are very much aware of my great performance. That's essentially what he said. And 
what I then did, Adia, was I proceeded to check out the website of the company that he was working for. I checked out the management page specifically. And no surprise there. There were like, I think a few dozen people listed in management, you know, across different segments of the business, across different teams, even regions. And I think like close to 40 individuals or something like that. And out of those about 40 individuals, there were only two women. Hmm. And then I sent, sent him some screenshots and with his quote. And you can imagine how that conversation then, then went. But what I want to illustrate with that point, Adia, is the fact that I think we still have so much work to do when it comes to just acknowledging your own privileges and like whatever capacity that may be. In this case, obviously, like a white male has some inherent privilege. I, as a white woman, have insane privilege. You know, I own a German passport. I am white. I'm cisgendered. I am heterosexual. You know, I am college educated. I was born into a middle class family. You know, like I hold so much privilege. But oftentimes, especially for people who are not necessarily exposed to these types of conversations on a regular basis, privilege is oftentimes invisible to those who have it. So I think a very important step for everyone is taking a step back to reflect on on one's own privilege. Because if you're not even aware of your own privilege, you know, may that be related to your sex or gender, your sexual orientation your race, your body capabilities, your country of origin, your religion, whatever it may be, then it's going to be really, really difficult for you to actually become an ally, become a feminist and move the needle in that space. And I think this goes a lot along the lines of recognizing what what allyship means and what real allyship means, because You can have a lot of uh, marketing and a lot of promotion regarding your diversity targets and diversity policies and all of the anti-discrimination and diversity promoting initiatives which you're carrying on. But at the end of the day, what matters is whether everyone really understands what real allyship means and thinking of your own biases, thinking of your own biases, own stereotypes, recognizing, as you said, the privileges which you have. And I think, yeah, there is a gap. And I think that's, yeah, you're right. It's quite deep-rooted, isn't it? A hundred percent. Couldn't agree more with that. So going back to what you just said about real allyship, what also really frustrated me recently around International Women's Day was like, there are so many people posting and specifically men posting about, you know, the importance of women in their lives, women on their teams, in their companies. And while I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt and assume, you know, good intent, I was also a bit frustrated because there was so much performative allyship happening that day or that entire week, you know, like it's, you cannot really say, or it's, you're being a hypocrite when you say on one hand, okay, oh my God, like women are so, so crucial to the success of my company if you then still proceed to pay men 20 to i don't know 50 percent more than an equally qualified woman on your team and i don't need people to talk about international women's day and how great women are when they're silent for the remaining 364 days a year when they're not speaking up about 
how important women are in society when they don't speak up about discrimination and sexism in the workplace and so on, you know? Yeah. So that's just something that I've also been observing in, in, in that context. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can understand your feelings and the frustration. I also had similar feelings when I saw a lot of the posts, um, especially on the social media platforms. And I do think that we need to address sometimes the issues from the from the root causes rather than celebrating, for example, the achievements on, of women on one particular day in a year. And there is a lot of work to do. The theme of the podcast is digitalization and diversity. And in season one, I had guests from different sectors and functions sharing their digital journeys. And I want to continue learning those insights in this season as well. I'm very curious to know, how has technology in general helped you in your journey? I mean, going back to something that I was mentioning earlier, you know, for the longest time when I was in high school and even like the first two, three years of my college career, I thought I was going to end up in journalism. My dad is a journalist. I always enjoyed writing. I was in radio for a bit and, and did enjoy that. But obviously around that time, the advent of technology, specifically, you know, digital and the internet had such serious repercussions for the world of media in general and specifically journalism. You know, we were past kind of the the glorious day of of journalism. And then when I took a few innovation and entrepreneurship classes in college, that really opened my mind to the world of startups and tech platforms and social media companies. So coming into college, I thought I was going to end up in journalism. And coming out of college, I all of a sudden was joining a, a big tech companies. So it definitely had like very serious impact on my own life in the sense of my my career trajectory. So I think that was a big, big impact on my life. And I mean, obviously, nowadays, I, I spend so much time in front of the screens all day. It's crazy to think I, I remember I was I think I was 10 years old when I got my first computer that my dad got me and I was working on some creative projects. Like I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. So I designed my own version of the Daily Prophet. So those are kinds of things. I created beautiful handouts for all of my school presentations. That definitely had a big impact on me and, you know, also kind of like fostered that creative energy in me, which now I've picked up again with, you know, being a creator online. It's almost come full circle, I would say, but it's been so interesting to see and like witness how technology has continuously evolved throughout you know, that time in between when I was 10 years old and now at age 27, you know, I, I couldn't do my job without the internet, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Let's talk about personal finance because I listen to a lot of podcasts on this topic and I genuinely think that there is a dearth of good content on personal finance. There are very, very few people who want to share, you know, tips and tricks on going about your personal finance. These are all personal things which, which everybody has a different approach towards. And I love that you are a personal finance coach who offers really practical tips on the young generation, on people who are still figuring out how to go about their personal finance and start with the investing process and so on. 
In what ways can the listeners of the show use digitalization and technology in particular to better manage their own personal finances? Well, look, I think at this point, and that's also one of the positive outcomes of the pandemic, I guess, like there's so many amazing creators now online specifically focusing on the topic of personal finance that you can follow like i've definitely started following a lot of them including you know tori dunlap who is the founder and ceo of her first 100k i had her on on my own podcast a while back shameless plug there so that was amazing but there's also other people that i love following like um let me give you some specific examples like Money with Katie is a person I love. She just got acquired by Morning Brew with the newsletter and she is just phenomenal. And there are other people like Sometimes Sensible, like Emily is, is her name. I also interviewed her for the podcast. Also on Kara, who talks about money and free travel. There is Pennywise Traveler, who was also talking about, you know, like travel hacks and how to use like credit cards and leverage points for, for free travel. There is the money minimalist, Helen, um, an episode with her that I did a few few months back is also about to drop on, on my podcast. So there are so many great people out there, but I think it just takes some time for people to find them so i definitely recommend like if anyone wants to you know follow me be my guest and then like look at the people that i follow on instagram and yeah. there you'll find some some amazing people in terms of tools that's what i also really love about technology i mean especially especially uh, when it comes to investing you know in, in the past investing was not accessible to to the general public right usually you had to have like a good amount of money already and then you could go to a bank or like to a fund and write like a big fat check to then be invested yeah. somewhere nowadays you can invest even like in fractional shares of company you can literally invest one dollar or one euro yeah. in a company so that's really really incredible so you know there's the the robo advisors as well that yeah. also try to do that work for you so it's it's just amazing how accessible it is nowadays and how easy it also is to find information online that's great because you've pointed me to quite some nice resources and accounts i'm definitely gonna follow some of the instagram accounts which you mentioned as a closing question if you had to choose one digital tool or a piece of technology for me to explore what would that be Ooh, Adia, that's a good question. I mean, there, there, there's so many. If I just look at my phone right now, like all the apps I have, um, <laughs> let me see. Okay, so I, I am also really into health, specifically like women's health. And so I started paying closer attention to like my sleep patterns, for example, and my energy levels. So there's this one tool that I love, which is called Aura. It is a sleep tracker. It's a ring, in fact, that mm -hmm. um, is quite nice. And you just like leave it on all day. It tracks your sleep when you sleep, but it also tracks, you know, like your heart rate when you're awake. It tracks your steps and, and all of that. And every morning when you sync the ring to the Aura app, it gives you 
a readiness score and a sleep score. And it kind of, you know, takes like several different factors into account, like your resting heart rate on your sleep, your HRV balance, your body temperature. Then for sleep specifically, it looks at, you know, obviously the, the total hours that you slept, but also sleep efficiency, how much REM sleep you got, how much deep sleep, how long it took you to fall asleep and all of that, because all of these like different metrics then get combined into that one sleep score. And I really love it because when my readiness score isn't that great in the morning, and then I know, okay, like I got to take it slow today, or I really got to prioritize going to bed early for the next two, two or three days. So my readiness score is, is back on track. So that's definitely a gadget that I really, really love. Nice. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that one out. I think we could cover so many more topics, Tamina, but uh, I'm afraid that yeah, we have to come to the closing for this episode. And I can only thank you for coming on the podcast today and sharing all of your insights and ideas. So how can the listeners get in touch with you? First of all, thank you so, so much for having me, Adia. I really enjoyed it. You had some amazing questions and I couldn't agree more. We could talk about these <laughs> topics for hours and hours. But yeah, like people can get in touch with me on LinkedIn or on Instagram. I'm decently, decently active on both platforms. So just on LinkedIn, my first and that last name, Tamina Stoll. And then Instagram, you can find me via the FemHive handle. So Fem period Hive. So F-E-M-M-E period hive h-i-v-e and um yeah please don't hesitate to to reach out dm me would love to hear from you and obviously um would love for you all to also subscribe to femhive podcast on spotify or apple apple Podcasts, wherever you prefer listening to podcasts amazing so i'm going to put all the links in the show notes so that you also can find tamina and yeah, thanks a lot, Tamina, for sharing your story with us as my first guest for season two. Amazing. Thank you so much again for having me and best of luck with the rest of the season. Yeah. Thanks also to the listeners who stayed on till the end of the episode. I hope you will join me again next time as we dig deeper into another personal story, another digital journey and another topic which we can all learn a bit more about. For latest updates, follow the DD Podcast page on Instagram and LinkedIn. And you can find all the links in the show notes. Till next time. Bye.